This is the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, Episode 10. We are talking to artist Megan Cope and local Aboriginal elder Auntie Carolyn Briggs. Hello and welcome to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, a podcast for people curious about art and the lives of artists. In this episode, Senior Curator Danny Lacey talks to artist Megan Cope about her work for the exhibition Coast, The Artist's Retreat. We are also joined by Auntie Carolyn Briggs, an elder of the Boonwurrung Nation, cultural advisor and historian. Megan Cope's art investigates mapping practices, concepts of ownership and power, colonisation and the legal implications of occupation. Megan describes how she collaborated with Auntie Carolyn Briggs to tell stories of how the landscape of the Mornington Peninsula was dramatically altered through deforestation and industrialisation. Womanjika, Marambik, Big Bunurong, Willem. That means welcome to our beautiful home, the lands of the two great bays, Nurm being Port Phillip Bay and Marin. Western Port Bay. And we're making the story of an honour to the traditional custodians of this part of the land, which was the Moyon Balak people. Thanks for joining us today, Megan and Auntie Caroline. First of all, Megan, I wanted to ask you about how you first became interested in art and what made you become an artist? Well, I was a bit of a rat bag at school, pretty wild. Also, during my time in high school, my art teachers were very encouraging and I guess at that time it was probably the only thing I felt like I was good at. I've since learnt that I'm good at lots of things, but art has been something that's always given me stability and a spiritual base and a place to question life and ground me. Yeah, it's always given me direction amongst the chaos. And you grew up in northern Queensland. How has the transition been to moving down to briskly cold Melbourne? Well, it's funny that you ask that question because my family are Kwandamooka people, which is North Strabroke Island, Minjirabar. But when I was five, we actually moved to Tasmania and I lived there from when I was 5 to 15. So actually I think I was used to the cold when I was a child growing up on that country down there. But yeah, I relocated to Melbourne after going back home, living up on my country, and I've been here for the last five years. Can you just briefly talk about your practice generally and the kind of work that you make? So my practice is about history, identity, economics. It's really about myself in lots of ways as an Aboriginal person in this country. So like most artists, we explore our position in the world, what we've inherited. So yeah, my practice questions concepts of ownership, concepts of power, how that's negotiated through economics and culture. And most of my work, I guess, in the last 10 years has been based in a practice of mapping practices and looking at geological maps as well as military maps and what information are in these maps and what they reveal about colonisation and the process of that, as well as legal implications of occupation. And then from the mapping practices, I've moved into sculpture In a way, the sculptural work is also mapping because I'm looking at middens 
And from an archaeologist's perspective, middens are geological maps that reveal our presence in the landscape and how long that we've been there. So all of the work that I do is always trying to overthrow the colonial myth of terra nullius and also reposition ourselves in an idealistic way as dominant people and culture in the landscape because that's my experience as an Aboriginal person. Aboriginal culture is the dominant view and experience in my life. So in lots of ways that's what my work is trying to achieve is turning the tables so to speak. And for the Coast Exhibition, you've worked together on this amazing wallpaper work called Untitled Boonwurrung. Can you both talk a little bit about that work, both visually but also historically, and the connections to the Moynton Peninsula that that work has? Well, ever since I've been living down here in Nurm, in Melbourne, it's very important to acknowledge that it's not my country and just because I'm Aboriginal doesn't give me the right to tell stories. So we have to, as Aboriginal people, work together, share, yarn and all of that kind of stuff. And so the Midden story started on my country and that is my story but it's also Aunty Caroline's story. And so when you invited me to make work about the landscape down here, the first thing to do is to speak to elders connected to that country and ask if these stories can be told and organise a way in which we both we create a space to share a story And it is about the listening, it is also about understanding the environment and the environment which Megan was going to develop. And it was also, I've seen her work before and I understand her designs and the mapping part of stories, so I was honoured to be given the opportunity to voice my stories because it's been a long time trying to think of how you get this information out there to the broader community. And you've got to have someone what has an understanding, bringing her story to our story with the Shell Middens and how that also was a way that was building Melbourne. It was about the story of Melbourne when the impact of colonisation, but also the story of the Middens. And when you start to connect that and then the she-oaks and the power of the she-oak because there was a beautiful production about the story of the decimation of the she-oak which was a part of the decimation of our men because they hold the power and women have another power that they hold and Point Nepean or Mon Mon Ma being the women's birthing centre was also very much a part of where the lime burners were. And I just discovered there was a number of lime burners along our coast. For me, the middens told another story of how, how people dined, what foods were they eating. They did quite well, you know, out of the foods of the ocean and how they survived. But it also tells you another story about how that material was used to construct that beautiful city of ours, Melbourne. But it also decimated our grounds and our hunting and our resources. So there was a conflict that goes on, like we talk about. There's our colonial history, but it's also about the history of our people. There are not very many of us left. So it's all of that, but part of the industry and the economics. Women was in economics. The men were decimated, so they couldn't protect us. So it was a whole bag what was going on, and 
how this young lady was to put it, not the violence, but it is there indirectly by mm. just demonstrating here was a country, here were the middens, the people just crush over and they haven't given honour that that is a part of the economics of our country because food is an economics which was gleaned and shared and then it became a commodity for the rest of what our society is about now, structures and buildings and because we don't see our country that way anymore. So these are the sorts of things you have to start to reflect on, how you see country and how you connect to that country. And these are an element of connecting to our country. Archaeology taught me a little bit of that, to learn how to tell that story from that base. So when this little young lady said she was going a project, and what a beautiful visual project that she's created, but the hard work that she's put into it, but she went a little bit further. She looked at mapping. She was able to bring it to a visual place that Bunwarang is the language. There are six estates of different bands of our people, and we're the last. I'm from the Yalakatwilam, which is part of Melbourne. So, you know, when we were forced off and removed to other places, and that connection to Tasmania, that's where the women were taken, mm. on Gun Carriage Island and Preservation Island for the sealing industry. So it's big patterns of change and how the colonisation changed the way they saw us and disturbed our economic base, which created their economic base mm. from a different perspective. Does that make sense? Mm. So part of the development of this exhibition was going to do the residency down there near the women's site that you talk about and what really struck me when I was there was the Moona um, growing everywhere and listening to country there and it didn't feel right, you know, and that's why I wanted to talk with you about that and that's how we started to talk about the desecration of the she-oak forests that were here and whilst I had been working on the middens for over a year now, the conversation that came with Auntie Caroline was another layer that I had sort of neglected in my practice, just talking about the lime burning industry itself. I didn't think to talk about what fueled those kilns and the significant alteration that also occurred. And so that was a really important development and conversation that we had that has been brought into this work in this exhibition, connecting, you can see in the work in the front entry, there is line work that is indicative of the bark from the black she-oak and the drooping she-oak. Auntie Caroline confirmed the law, the connection there, and the impact of that alteration on people. So the work that I do is always about reminding us that these things are not disconnected and they're not separate and they're not categorically ordered. They're all intimately connected. And even today in the modern world, we are affected by history and these events in many ways. So, And that's, I think, what you did, Megan, was open it up for... It became bigger than just us because it was... That was our worldview at that period of time. For you to bring it from where you came from and the areas, we need to be start reminding ourselves that this was how the economic base changed. Mm. And food was our economic base mm. and trade. 
like the journey of the eels and all of these things, that changed the demographics. Mm. And also there was no food sources left and the women being removed and the imbalance with nature and also the family structure was breaking down. And you start to think about all these things that have impacted on your own life. But it was able to be brought to life by Megan because we just had this conversation about the moon eyes, which are amazing. They're lucky they've still got those beautiful moon eyes. And the stories of the coastal plants that reveals to us the stories when the fish is running and the snapper and... These are the things you grow up with, but you never quite make sense of it because your worldview is not something that's been written in a book. They are now writing it in books, but for me to have the privilege of this young person to open my eyes up to see another world, and I think that was because I seen that work in Fitzroy of mm. yours, and mm. I felt like, oh, somebody has seen it and knows it. Somebody knows our story. And she honoured it, Yalakut Willem, the people of the river. That takes strength and courage too, within the political realm. Does that make sense? Because I think people don't understand that we've got to now reveal and give our voice to these amazing imagery and get people to think about. They see a shell midden, they see it all the time. And then we've had to work at trying to protect the tracks on the coast so that people don't continue to have their impact of destroying We can't save every shell midden, what still is being revealed every now and again, but we can sort of protect it in a way that it's about their story too, these young people who connect to these places, it's their story. How do they honour that story? By just having a glimpse, an insight into the history of place. Yeah, I think that that's really important. I think a lot of Australians go to a national park and assume that what they're seeing is from the beginning and neglect the industries and the times that Aboriginal people were included in the making of this country as we see it today. So that's why, you know, I think it's really important to look at maps like the geological maps because they reveal a time and a way of seeing the landscape when this country was being established as we know it today. Probably through their lens, isn't it, too? Yeah. And that they didn't value the assets that was somebody else's economics. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think there's a really good book on that, how Aborigines built Australia, how they created Australia. Yes, Bill Gamage. Yeah, yeah Bill yeah. Gamage, you yeah. know. And I think about all that. I haven't read it all. <laughs> but I go out there and I start to visualise and try to make sense of the world that I live in now, but the world that may have been part of my ancestors' journey. And that's why I'm creating the journey cycle of my ancestors that left me with the memories and the memories are in that landscape. We don't hear it as a voice, but it is a voice, visual voice. And I think that's where Megan comes in and creates that visual voice. And the young people or people need to honour the sacred ground that it comes from and learn, respect and celebrate life and honour the sacred ground that they're a part of. And when they can embrace that, they're embracing their own part of their history. 
not in a negative, but that's how their history was played out. It's really good. That's an older person's perspective. A younger person mm. was come from another country, mm. and I'm hearing her through her visuals, mm. but I'm also hearing her from other ways too. Yeah, and I think we need to honour that she has a bigger worldview of things as well. Mm. I know Amidin tells a story because I look at it from a, an archaeological perspective that it could tell us a story of people dining, mm. the vista. We all love beautiful country. We love the seacoast. We love dining on the shellfish. But nobody's ever celebrated. Oh, what do we eat? Blackfellas eat. Oh, snakes, gawain, you know, the lizards. No, we had other wonderful <laughs> food sources. Abalone. Abalone. Oysters. Oysters. <laughs> and I go, let's change the paradigm here. Yeah. You know, the midden tells me a story. And I saw it on the beach and kids were saying, I said, well, what does the midden say? Oh, it's a rubbish tip. Oh, okay. What's that out for, what's coming through the pipes? That's rubbish. And I said, which will break down better in the coast than that rubbish what's coming out? killing our marine life and they went oh that's rubbish and that's destroying the life way of the ocean and the marine life middens are not going to do that middens are going to degrade back into their mm -hmm. story mm -hmm. and create so you give kids another way of seeing things we were down at St Kilda and there was all this rubbish cigarette butts plastic bottles everything what was coming out of this drain and there was a midden I said well Okay, there's a midden. What's a midden mean? Oh, rubbish tip. That was an English word from Scotland. Uh, it's a rubbish tip. Oh, rubbish tip. What would you call that? And they went, yeah, we see what you're saying, Auntie. That's more toxic and it's going to impact on our marine life, that we enjoy all the beauty. See, you don't hit them over the head. You say, how do we stop that? How do we stop that crap, what's going out there, that's going to interrupt our economic base for all people? Mm -hmm. They fish out there, they swim out there. Mm -hmm. I think people don't understand what economics is because they say, oh, you know, that's what blackfellas do. No, that was our economic base. It was our food base, just like everybody else's food base. Hunting was about food base. The landscape was about food base. And it's just that disturbance of all those changes, like the tree, like that amazing tree that was the power of our men. Mm. And when you disturb that, you break down a familial structure in society. A society was almost wiped out. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, everything has to tell a story. And it's not doom and gloom. Yeah, and another reason why I became really fixated and obsessed about middens is because we will never see middens in the scale that they once were prior to them being excavated and mined and repurposed into the building material lime. One of the reasons I became fixated in that is because, again, like connecting to the she-oak, once upon a time, these formations were grandiose, you know. On my country, there were middens that were like 12 metres high, you know, and 17 metres wide. These are like little white mountains, markers in the landscape to find out where you could go and have dinner. And, you know, 
the thing is I question the intention of the mining and excavating of middens Yes, I know it was seen as a ready source of lime, but another way that that has impacted on our people is that it has erased our existence and our physical existence from the landscape as well. When you remove these physical forms that are evidence of our occupation, that's a colonial process of elimination. So, you know, that's another reason why I wanted to tell this story about the middens and what they are and really, really hone in on that. Like, you know, I made a midden last year for the Art Gallery of New South Wales and dedicated it to the Gadigal midden that was once located where the Sydney Opera House is now. That midden was recorded to be 15 metres high and 100 metres long, you know, and the Sydney Opera House as we know it today, it's a grandiose form. But before that was there, there was the military base. And before that was there there was a man-made shell monument that was, you know, the Gadigal living room where hundreds of generations have feasted. And, you know, that's evidence of our occupation that no longer exists and then gives voice to the denial of our histories. So, yeah, no, I just wanted to talk about that and why I became so obsessed and bringing it into a contemporary setting and talking about it in an economic way because, I mean, every aspect of our lives is almost dominated by economic speak we have to justify everything that we do in economic terms these days it's you know part of our lives as humans in the 21st century so yeah I just wanted to contextualize that motivation well I just have to end by saying thank you for joining us Megan and Auntie Caroline it's been an absolute pleasure and also thank you Thanks for listening to episode 10 of our conversation series. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. Our 2018 podcast program is supported by the Gordon Darling Foundation. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.